Welcome back, podcasters. After we did Cortez, the greatest of all conquistadors, the next one I'm going to do is Pizarro. Francisco Pizarro. As I mentioned in the other one, you may recall that you first heard about Pizarro as he was the conquistador who cut the head off of Balboa, another more typical of the conquistadors. But Balboa got his head cut off by Pizarro in Cuba, and this was in 1513. And one of the things I like about Pizarro, telling students about him and podcasters, is how long it took to get an expedition. Cortez had been over in, in Cuba for quite some time before he got that expedition, and Pizarro was in Cuba in 1513, and this expedition, we don't care about dates, but if you want one, let's just go with 1532. And what he is going to do is he's going to go south. He's going to go against the Inca, who were in Peru. And the reason for that was that when he was with Balboa on his expedition, looking across the Isthmus of Panama to find where the gold was, where the sun set, that some of the Indians told them that actually the gold was to the south. And Pizarro never forgot about that. By this time, the Spanish ships have gone around the tip of South America and are now up in the Pacific. And so when Pizarro's expedition gets ready to go, they simply get aboard ships in the Pacific and they go a relatively short distance and they land in Peru. And I'm going to tell you something, podcasters. Something had happened before Pizarro landed there that's going to help Pizarro immensely. And I'm not sure if he ever knew what I'm going to tell you. Okay? Sometime before Pizarro landed, there was an Inca leader by the name of Cupac. And Cupac was dying probably from smallpox because of some unrecorded Spanish expedition had made contact with him. And when Cupac realized he was dying, he called his two favorite sons in. Did you get that word, podcasters? His two favorite sons. Now, should not have favorites. Each child is unique and special and loved in their own unique way, and we know that. But when you know that Kerpak had over 300 sons, well, he probably could not name 90% of them, which tells me he had his mind on more things than politics. So his two favorite sons he called in, and one of them was at the WAPA, and the other one was Hoska, H-U-S-C-A-R, and Atawapa. And he told them that he was in a dilemma. He had to leave the kingdom to one of his sons, but he loved them both equally, and he could not do that. And so he would leave the northern empire to Atawapa and the southern empire to Hoska. And then he warned them about something. I don't know who they are. I think they're monsters. I do not believe they are human. But they killed Indians 
by the thousands and they cannot be stopped. Apparently, he'd heard about conquistadors like Cortez. Just thought you'd like to know that. Put that in your memory bank, just in case. Not long after that, Cupac died. Empire was divided, north and south. Antiwap in the north, Wisca in the south. Not long after Antiwapa had moved into the Northern Empire, he asked himself a question. What is better than half an empire? Courtney, do you know? Chloe? Todd? I know David does, and Brian. I would suggest the entire empire. And what's standing in his way? One brother, one brother. And so he called in his warriors and he told them, I want you to go south. I want you to kill my brother. That way I'm gonna have the entire empire. And one of them probably asked, raised his hand like a good Inca. You only want us to kill one? How many brothers you got? Uh, I probably said. Let's just nip it in the bud. You want to kill every one of them? Kill them all. Another hand went up, another Inca. Maybe the same one. Can we have a list? How do we know who your brothers are and who are not your brothers? Podcasters, that last little question, I just made that up. That is a question no Inca ever has to ask. Remember when I was telling you about the Indians? Telling you about Cortez? I'm going to tell you again. How did Gore Vidal say one could tell the difference between the Lincoln fiction and the Lincoln history when he wrote that great book on Lincoln? If it makes perfect sense, I made it up. If it's unbelievable, it could never happen. It did. It's called history. And I told you that because I'm going to tell you something. You understand? Now, be careful if you tell this to anybody that's not on this podcast. Because you better be able to tell them the whole story, nothing but the story, and then you can tell them where you got it from, okay? They were told that all my brothers, when they are old enough to understand the real meaning of dead, D-E-A-D, Dead, their ears are pierced, and gold earrings are put in those ears. And then they were told, if you ever take that earring out, you will fall over dead. I don't mean four-year-old dead, like get up and go eat cake. I mean dead, dead. Let's fast forward. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, Pizarro is going to conquer the Inca. 
Now, what is it that conquistadors like? Can you spell it? G-O-L-D. And here were the brothers that they did not kill because those brothers took off for the hills. They could not find all of them. And there were some with golden earrings and a conquistador telling these Inca, we're going to pass a helmet down and you take all the gold off you and you put it in that helmet. And then all of a sudden he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. One of you did not take the earrings out and those are golden earrings, you take them out. And that Inca said, Sir, I do not think you understand. If I take these earrings out, I would fall over dead. And the conquistador said, I know you don't understand. If you don't take them out, you're going to fall over dead. Think about it, podcaster. You think maybe Mama was just teasing when she said, if you take them out, you're going to fall over dead? Because you know darn well that conquistador is not teasing what would you do? You take them out and see? They took them out and fell over dead. Took the earrings out and fell over dead. How'd that happen? Okay. When I first started teaching at Kilgore College, there was a good friend. We shared the office together. Name was Doctor. I'm going to go with Doctor Stephen J. Reef. His major was anthropology. He knew a lot about the Inca, the Aztec. That's where I got a lot of my information from. So one day I was visiting with him in our office, and I said about the golden earrings and the falling over dead. Without smiling, he said, "That's true." I said, "How they do that?" And this is what he said, that when those earrings were put in those little ears, they were put in there with a box, little tiny box of poison, deadly poison. And when they screwed those in, that poison was in that box. And when they started unscrewing them, it broke that box and the poison was released into the bloodstream. And they fell over how? Dead. Dead. Do you think those conquistadors said, don't take any more earrings out? Take them out. So, Underwapa's warriors had to look only for those that had the golden earrings, the ones with the golden earrings. You did not take them out, or if they did, they're going to fall over dead. So, we have a civil war in the Inca kingdom, north against the south, and the north won. And the Inca blood flowed like a river. And that weakened that empire tremendously. All of this happened before Pizarro landed, and I do not believe Pizarro knew anything about it. Absolutely nothing. And so when Pizarro landed, he's coming down the roads. And the Inca had great roads because they had a communication system that in that day was second to none. They used runners, sort of like Pony Express, without the horse. They had runners that would run with the message as fast as they could go. And then when they hit that, that barrier where it starts to slow down, 
That's where the next Inca picked it up. Now, the voice was not, the message was not written. It was a voice message. And that's how they stayed in communication. And so these conquistadors, Pizarro and about 268 men coming down that road. Podcasters, when you go on road trips, don't you just love reading the billboards? Beer drinking buffalo five miles ahead. Beer drinking buffalo three miles away. Don't miss the beer drinking buffalo. Well, the Inca had road signs too. And those road signs were body parts that had been hacked off the Inca as they slaughtered the brothers and the others. And those conquistadors saw arms and legs and heads hanging by the trees along the road. And that message was, you keep coming and this is what's going to happen to you. And you too will become a billboard. What would you do, podcaster? Would you make a U-turn? Those conquistadors saw those body parts and they laughed at them. Laughed. Look at that hand. It's just barely hanging by that twig. Look at that. Look at that hand. Isn't that ugly? These are conquistadors. That's not going to scare them. And the Wapa sent out an army. When he heard that these strange things were coming toward him, sent out an army. And the army was defeated and comes back. And there's Anawapa. And those defeated warriors are coming into that town. And Anawapa's looking for one person. That one person, he said, you go up there and defeat him. And he did not do that. And when he found him, he called him over and said, why did you not defeat those Watch, what are the humans? And that commander looked at Anawapa with eyes as big as saucers, and he said, they are monsters. They are not human. Release wild jaguars at them, and they just lay down and purred like kittens. They're monsters, and they cannot be killed. They cannot be stopped. Now, podcasters, do you remember what Kupak Daddy told them about the, the monsters that were the north that were killing thousands and thousands of Indians that could not be? Remember he said, put that away in the storage locker of the brain? What do you think Adawampa thought? And if that report was true, and it was because he saw those defeated warriors and the fear in the eyes of that messenger, he said to himself, and then he said to them, we got to get out of here. So they abandoned that little town and they went up into the mountains. So when Pizarro shows up, there is an abandoned town. Now, podcasters, I'm going to tell you, I have never seen, I've never seen a drawing of what this place looked like. I've read about it. So I'm going to try my best. Now, if you were in my classroom, oh, I could draw it with that, that artwork that is just so great. I mean, Courtney would be jealous. And I would have my little pen where I would have that little light and I could put it up on that board and I could move it around and I could show you all of this. So I'm going to do the best I can. I want you to picture, or you could draw. If you got a piece of paper, draw. I want you to just go in and draw a box. 
and then you pick out one part of that box and I want you to erase the middle of that box that line I don't, that's where the door is going to be going to be double doors there and in the walls there are the rooms with a big courtyard that's the way I imagine this place but however I imagine it or not Pizzotto realized that there's only about 268 of them and there's about 38,000 Inca warriors? What's he going to do? Well, podcasters, people need to remember history. But you need to remember it correctly. Because Pizarro, when he asked himself, what am I going to do? He remembered recent conquistador history. Cortez was in a similar situation, he said. He was in the middle of Tenochtitlan, surrounded by thousands and thousands of Aztec warriors. And how did he get out of it? He arrested Montezuma, and he told Montezuma, you tell the Aztec to leave us alone, and guess what? The rest ended happily ever after for Cortez, but not for the Aztec. Now, you remember he skipped some things, like a Montezuma got killed by his own people. They drove the conquistadors out of town. He forgot that part. He jumped to the conclusion. But what he learned from that little history lesson, I got to rest down a whopper. How do you do that? He's going to call the name of a conquistador. He's going to call the name of a conquistador that if you ever get on Jeopardy, this could very well be the final Jeopardy answer. Remember, Form your answer as a question. All right, podcasters. All right, Gerard, do you know this? Let's see. Here it is. I want you to look at the board. This is Final Jeopardy. You weighs down. You wrote down a big number. You weighs. What European is credited with discovering the Mississippi River? Now start playing in your mind the Jeopardy music. And you write it down in the form of a question. You got it? Who was De Soto? Who was De Soto? What did De Soto do before he went to the Mississippi? And by the way, he died. And they had told the Indians that he was a god and gods do not die. And so what do you do with a dead god? You put him in his armor and you throw him in the middle of the Mississippi River and then you tell the Indians he ascended back into heaven. Did you not see him? He hovered above the trees for a long time, waving at you. But that was in the future. And so Pizarro called out, De Soto, go up and find Anahuapa and invite him to lunch. Noonish, tomorrow, Whenever you find him, tell him tomorrow, tomorrow. Like Cortez, not every conquistador had a horse. And so DeSoto got about 28 other conquistadors with horses, and they take off into the mountains. Going along that fabulous road system, they, they now see thousands of Inca warriors aligned on each side of one of those roads that they're coming down. And way down at the other end, 
there's a man sitting on a little stool. DeSoto knows who it is. It has to be Atahualpa. And what impressed DeSoto was Atahualpa was such a powerful leader. He needed no trappings like crowns and robes. He was just kind of dressed as a commoner. Had his hands and arms folded in front of him, and his head was down, bent down, so he wouldn't have to look at these conquistadors. And these Inca warriors were along the side of that road, and the conquistadors were looking at them, and they were looking at those conquistadors. And then DeSoto did something, a little conquistador trick. He spurred the horse he was riding, and that horse took off like lightning straight for one of those Inca warriors. A podcaster, if you're standing there and you see a horse coming right at you at full speed, what are you going to do? You're probably going to do what that Inca warrior did. He forgot about that spear, and he took off running. They sort of laughed. And a whopper lifted his head, waved his arm. They brought that Inca that had run to Atahualpa and they cut his head off. They had been told, do not show fear, you did it, cut the head off. They got so close, the conquistadors did, DeSoto did, so close to Atahualpa that Atahualpa could feel the breath of DeSoto's horse on his arms. And then he said something. I have heard, Anawapa said, that conquistadors fight like women. I'm going to repeat that, podcaster. Anawapa said, I have heard conquistadors fight like women. Podcaster. Do you think this is the way to open that conversation? Because when DeSoto heard that, his answer was, you think we fight like women? Then I tell you what to do. You lead me and these few conquistadors right here with me to an enemy of yours. And I don't care if there are more of these enemies than there are leaves on the trees in the summertime. We few conquistadors would defeat them, and all you and your warriors have to do is sit back and watch. That's what we'll do. And what do you say, Yenawapa? Well, that's what I was told. Many people are saying, but apparently it's not. No. And then, why are you up here? Why'd you come see me? Now, podcasters, I want you to pretend for just a moment that you're sitting at home and a car pulls up. You open the door and you see this big black Cadillac. And a man with a briefcase gets out. He starts walking to your house. You've never seen this person in your life. You don't know this is publishing clearing. You don't know what who is this guy, what's he doing here, what's he doing here. And he walks up and he says, you want a free lunch or something. When those conquistadors were coming down to see Atahualpa, Atahualpa has to be thinking, what are they doing here? What do they want? What do they want? 
And when DeSoto said what he wanted, I bet you Atawapa had never thought, we want you to come to lunch. My leader, Pizarro, would like you to come to lunch. Tomorrow, around noonish, sun straight up. My podcaster, Atawapa, had never thought that they wanted him to come to lunch. And so before he could think of a good excuse like, I'm sorry, laundry day, uh, okay. And DeSoto goes back and tells Pizarro this. Pizarro tells the conquistadors, we're going to get in hiding before he gets there around 11-ish. We're going to get in those rooms, and they're going to bring Anawapa in. And when Anawapa is brought into this courtyard, I'm going to wave a scarf and you open fire on those Indians that he brings with him, but don't you dare touch Anawapa. Everybody get ready. Next day came. High noon, no Anawapa. One-ish, no Anawapa. Two-ish, no Anawapa. Three-ish, no Anawapa. Four-ish, no Anawapa. Anawapa. Get up there. DeSoto goes up and he finds Anawapa. My leader's heart is broken. His tears flow like rain because he broke his heart and did not show up to eat. Come tomorrow. Next day, same thing happened. No Anawapa. DeSoto. He goes back up. My leader is dying of a broken heart. He is in his bed now. I do not know if he will ever get out. His heart is broken. Please, please come and eat with him. Have you had a what? what okay. Okay. Just go in there, eat with him, get this over with. So the next day, Anawapa shows up with about a thousand Inca warriors. They're carrying Anawapa on a throne. There are Inca dancing around him. Some have little brooms and they're sweeping the dirt in front of him. None of the warriors brought weapons because they're just coming to watch Anawapa eat. That's all it is. It's just a dinner thing. They set Anawapa down in the middle of that courtyard and a door opens. And here comes a priest. He walks up to Anawapa and he hands Anawapa a crucifix. Anawapa looks at that crucifix Turned it around, shook it. Now, while Anawapa is doing all of that, the priest is reading. Okay, podcasters, you know what the Miranda is? And I hope you know what the Miranda is simply for movies and television shows. Have you Mirandized him? You have the right to remain silent. This was the Spanish Miranda, and it went something like this. You are here to convert to Christianity. If you do not convert to Christianity, by the time I get through reading this, and I'm almost halfway through, then we have the right to kill you and all your people, take everything that you have in your life, and you had better make up your mind, and you better convert right now, because I'm almost to the last sentence. And once you read that to them, if they did not convert, then you could do it. Now, how much of this do you think Anawapa understood? It's fluent Spanish. He's looking at that crucifix. He shook it, put it up to his ear, held it up to the sun. It wasn't translucent. He threw it on the ground. Don't do that. When that crucifix hit that ground, that priest stopped in mid-Miranda, and he went back and he told Pizarro, did you see what he did? 
he threw that crucifix on the ground. And apparently, like Popeye, enough is enough. I can't stand no more. And Pizarro comes out and he waves that scarf. And matchlocks open fire. Crossbows open fire. Conquistadors come out. They've got the Inca surrounded. The Inca have no weapons. Now, podcasters, if you're ever in an English class and the teacher says, I want you to give an example of panic. I want you to give an example of panic. I want you to draw this little town that Anahuapa's people are in and make that little bitty door. And you draw a thousand Indians trying to get out that one door. You can also carry it out from panic to logjam. The Kikishidors killed hundreds of them. Followed them for miles, killing them. Pizarro grabbed Antawapa. And now Antawapa is a kidnapped victim of Pizarro. Now, in the movies, when someone gets kidnapped, they become the most obnoxious individuals you ever saw. All these is you not like the kidnappers. They say mean and dirty things to them. Not in real life. Not in real life. What you want to do, if you ever, and hope you don't ever, but if you do get kidnapped, you want to be friends. Oh, I tell you, you must have been horribly misunderstood. And Awapa becomes friends with Pizarro. Now, my brother taught German for many years, and he says the best way to learn a language is absorption. Go to Mexico if you want to learn Spanish. You absorb it. It's everywhere. You want to learn German? Go to Germany. If you want to learn Spanish, Anahuapa, get kidnapped. Anahuapa started picking up some Spanish. He became friends with Pizarro. And one day, while visiting with Pizarro, with his little Spanish that he had learned, he said to Pizarro, I don't like being kidnapped here. Is there anything I could do? Will you let me go? And Pizarro said, no, no, no. That's just the way it is. And then Anahuapa decided to throw something out. Just kind of throw it out there and see what Pizarro thought. And Anahuapa said, what if I give you gold? I have read, we said that word G-O-L-D, these Spanish fingers started to twitch. Gold? Gold, Anawapa? You got gold? Gosh, Anawapa said, you would not believe how much gold. Well, how much are you going to give me? Hmm. i tell you what I'll do, Mr. Pizarro. You know that room I'm in? If I fill that room with gold, will you let me go? You can do that? I wouldn't have said it if I couldn't do it. Well, what do you mean by fill? I mean, is that just kind of scattered around the floor? Podcasters, when you go to class, if you walk by a room, go into your classroom, and you looked in that room, just kind of glanced, and you saw gold all over the floor, would you say to people that room is filled with gold? What do you mean, filled? And Anawapa said, Take me back to that room and I reach above my head and you mark where I touch and I will fill it to that mark. Get over there. Goes over there, reaches above his head. They marked it. 
And then the Whopper said, bring the gold. And the Inca started bringing the gold. It came in a few days, and then they had to go further, and they brought in less and less, and Anahuapa looked at that room, and it's only about a third filled. And you know what he thought, oh my gosh, you know, when you don't really care about it, you see it all the time, you think you got, I don't know if I can do that. So he tells that to Pizarro, and Pizarro says, you better do it, a deal is a deal. And then just to throw something out, Anahuapa said, what about silver? What if I put silver? You got silver? Oh, I got silver. I got more silver than gold. Silver and gold fill that room. We'll let you go. And they brought it in, and by golly, it was not long. That room was filled with gold and silver. How much do you think there was in there? Well, Pizarro decided that he needed to have that melted down to one-pound bars. Because he's got to divvy it up. He's going to have to inventory this. He's going to have to make a record. How do you do that? We've got three knives, two forks, one plate. Melt it down to one-pound bars. Archaeologists cry when they think of the Inca treasure that was melted. But Pizarro had a problem, podcasters. Now, it's fortunate for us, because if you want to know how much gold and silver was in that room, I can tell you, I can tell you, before I do, have you ever heard of the Guinness Book of World Records that supposedly has everything in there? I know that book exists. I've never seen one, and I keep meaning, get one and look up. I want you to look it up. If you get one of those books, I want you to look up. The most money paid for a kidnapped victim. And I would be surprised if that is in there and the name of Anawapa is not there. All right, I'm going to give it to you. They pounded it down. Okay? We're going to do the gold first because he didn't have as much gold, podcasters. You ready? 13,400 pounds of gold. 22 and a half carat gold, which the Spaniards call good gold. I'm going to repeat that. 13,400 pounds of 22 and one half carat good gold. Don't they sell that by the ounce? I think they do. Silver? Oh, yeah, yeah a lot more. 26,000 pounds of silver. Not as valuable as gold, but by God, he's got a lot of it. One time I told this in class and a student said it wasn't worth as much then as it is now. What? You think about that. Podcasters, when you go to the mall, are there not some jewelry stores that sell gold rings and gold necklaces and gold and they got them right there in the display counters? When's the last time you saw a group of conquistadors charging in to get that stuff? You look at what these conquistadors are doing to get that gold. I would bet you that in that day and time it was worth more, it was worth kingdoms. But, what would that be worth now? That would be easy for you to figure out. All you got to do is get on the computer, look at the price of gold today, and you can multiply it. 
But I'm going to just give you this. This before they had the computers and it was so easy. I'm the author of the book on DeSoto, he said what that would be worth when he wrote the book and he had it down there in a little footnote. So I'm going to just tell you what it was worth when that book was written in 1990. $90 million. $90 million. But he's got a problem. He's rich, but he's got a problem. And Wapa's now learned that we're not gods or anything like that. He's going to go up in those hills. There's 38,000 warriors. They're going to come out and they're going to kill every one of us. So I got to do what Cortez did. I cannot let that Inca go. But he filled that room. And so someone came up with the idea charge him with treason and kill him. They did it, podcasters. An Inca Indian that didn't even know where Spain was was charged with treason to Spain and he stood trial. You think that a lawyer? Podcasters, even in America. That veranda that hope you never heard except on television, if right to lawyer, we can't afford one, that wasn't till 1963. Before that, unless it was a death penalty case or something, that just meant if you could afford a lawyer, they couldn't keep you from doing it. The main witness against him was DeSoto. DeSoto, you tell the tell the truth, this word tell the I heard Anawapa say that he wished that they could cut all our throats. Oh my gosh, if that's not treason. We would burn him to death. And so the next day they had him tied to a pole, they had brush around him. And then the priest told Pizarro. There's another law. We have to offer Anawapa the chance to be baptized before we kill him. Oh my, well get up there and do it. And so the priest went up to Anawapa and he said, before you get killed, would you like to be baptized? And Anawapa said, does that hurt? You silly Indian. This is cut to the quick. If we baptize you, we cannot burn you alive. Now, you want to be baptized? What would you say, podcasters? I bet you say the same thing that Anawapa did. Oh, yes, I wondered if you were going to ask. I'm so glad. So they baptized and they moved all the wood around him. And then some Spaniard came up behind him, put an iron collar around his throat, and slowly they twisted and strangled him to death. You can do that. You just can't burn them. Now, Pizarro's got a problem. The Inca leader, we said, fill the room with gold and silver. We'll let you go. He did it. They didn't let They killed him. Well, let's show the Inca how sorry we are. Then we'll give him, we'll give him a first-rate funeral. And so they start carrying his body out in a coffin outside the little fort. All the conquistadors are holding back the tears the best they could. Terrible accident. Somehow this collar got around him. They buried him, and then they got back in the little fort. The Inca dug him up, and no one knows where he's buried now. Pizarro has a problem. It's amazing how people like him can get out of things. Because... They heard a knocking on the door.
and Candace, this was not a raven. They opened that door, and there was an Indian and Inca looking at him, and they noticed that he had gold earrings. And he said, my name is Tupaca. I heard you killed my brother. Oh, your brother and a wapa, it was a terrible accident. And Tupaca said, I'm glad you killed him. I got a deal. You make me leader of the Inca, and I'll do whatever you say. And the Spaniards and Pizarro said, Behold the leader of the Inca, Tupaca. They went to war against other Inca, and they won, and Pizarro conquered the Inca and made slaves out of them. And then, according to legend, one day after that, an Indian slave was going up a mountain, chasing a llama, and he reached above him at a plant to pull himself up, and as he's pulling himself up, he pulled that plant out. And on the roots of that plant, Podcastus was silver. Silver. That became the richest silver mine in the history of the world. Now, if you want to populate a place, you put gold and or silver there, and they will come, podcasters. They will come. Now, later on, a Spaniard tried to assassinate Pizarro, and Pizarro killed him by putting a rope around his neck and dragging him through town and slowly stringing him to death. And then... When Pizarro was in his 60s, about 65, 1541, he came home after hearing mass, ate lunch, and then the door was forced open and about 13 conquistadors came in and attacked Pizarro. And Pizarro fought, fought like a tiger. And these conquistadors, they hit him with swords, they got him with knives, and he was still fighting. But one cut stopped that. They slit his throat. And podcasters, it takes a while. They stepped back and Pizarro fell to his knees, leaned over, held himself up with one hand, what could say the left hand. The blood gushed out to the floor. He took his right index finger and he made the sign of the cross in his own blood and he kissed it and he fell over dead. Oh, it was a terrible accident. He was shaving or something. They gave him a first-rate funeral. Buried him in glass coffin. That was the end of Pizarro. Years ago, and some of you podcasters have been to Kilgore College back in the olden days. I can remember right now where I was and what I said. Finishing Pizarro one day, I was in a the L.A. building, the classroom all the way at the end on the second floor, the one that had two doors. A young lady in the right row, about three-fourths of the way back, raised her hand. I said, yes. And she said this, podcasters. Are you ready? She said, and I can quote her, I have seen Pizarro. Did you hear that silence? I have seen Pizarro. Now, podcast, if you're me, 
and you're in front of a class, and one of your students says that she had seen Pizarro, what do you say? Well, I didn't know what to say. So I just simply said, what does he look like? And she said, he's short and ugly. I said, class dismiss. I went to see my friend, Dr. Stephen J. Reeves, and I said, I just had a student tell me that she had seen Pizarro. And without smiling, Dr. Reeves said, I'm sure she did. He's on display in that glass coffin. He's been mummified. And so, podcasters, and so, Todd, if you ever go back to South America, go to Lima, Peru, and go to a church, and you too can see Pizarro, the man that conquered the Inca and got more treasure, I'm sure, than Cortez ever did. Now, podcasters, this is just a little bit of the conquistadors, but I hope it gives you a good ideal of what the conquistadors were like. Have a good evening, a good day, and I will see you in Mr. Stroud's history class next time. Adios.